I, I, I just can't wait to open up the scriptures. And it's funny because I, I was going to share something else that was kind of like on my mind a few months ago that I was thinking about. And then um, as I started to read the word and, and kind of gather just some, some thoughts and, and, and all that, what God was working in me, I just said, you know what, I'm going to just put that away and I'm going to obey God. And, and I'm really excited just to share the phrase, which is our title, and then go into it in scripture. But I just want to thank you guys for being here. Tomorrow we're going to celebrate and go into the picnic, to the picnic at Amelia Earhart Park. It's going to be wonderful. We're just going to, we're going to get a suntan, farmer's tan, yeah? And um, we're just going to rejoice and have a good time. There's not a, a time limit. You don't have to stay there till 4. That'll be just crazy. But you can if you want. After we leave, you can spend time with your family, with your friends, and, and go bicycle, bike ride. I don't know, do all those little things that you guys do. Amen? But uh, we, we really just thank you for being here. I, I know that for some of us, um, the whole change of schedule could be a conflict. And, and for some people, it has been a conflict. And, um, and I thank you guys for being here and, and saying, this is my church, and I will not miss our six-year uh, birthday. Amen? So happy birthday. And um, um, you're like, yeah, but it's not really my birthday because I've only been here for about a year or a month or, no, it's still your birthday and you're just as part of new life than the person that was here when we started in a Starbucks six years ago, this small or even worse, far, not worse, better, far back when we were in a, in a, in a youth group and our youth pastor was Pastor Leo, then he became our pastor and then we were New Life South and then we branched out, of church. I mean, God is good, Amen. So wherever you are, we thank Pastor Leo for being here with us, Pastor Marlo for being here with us. Can we just give them a hand and say thank you for being here? They didn't have to. They didn't have to, but they did, and we say thank you. Say thank you for that, and that brings joy in my heart. I, I, I want to share a message, and it's titled, it's titled this. It's titled, Now More Than Ever. Now More Than Ever. I'm not used to wearing these things, so I'm going to do weird things today, Okay. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, but, but I'm going to do this today. I'm going to zipper it up while I'm preaching. I'm going to put it in my, in my pocket. So just deal with me. Hear the message. Don't look at the actions. Can we all do that? Say, I got you. All right, good. But I want to share a message titled, Now More Than Ever. Now More Than Ever. I don't know if you've ever been at that point where, where maybe you're, at, you're going through a situation. You're at a place. There's a circumstance going on. And in the midst of that, um, you want to, for example, you want to tell us, I'm a bad storyteller, right? All my friends know that. When I tell a story, they all laugh. They start laughing when I start because I massacre it and then I get mad. So I just try not to tell them no more stories, but, but it's hard for me not to tell stories. But have you ever gone and you want to say a story and like they're not going to believe me and, and, and then you just think about that friend or think about that person because, man, if only so-and-so was here now more than ever. Or, or maybe you needed some money and you're at that place and, and you're like, oh, if I just, man, this is what I've been looking for. They've been sold out and it's finally here. I want to buy this thing right now, but you don't have the money. And like, if I only had the money right now more than ever, I would definitely just get that. I need it now more than ever. Now more than ever, I needed you to be there. Now more than ever, I, you get the point. And, and I've been there and I've had my now more than ever moments. And I wanted to just break that down and, and talk about it and, and just kind of look at scripture and what that phrase has to do with the Word of God. And, and as we get into that uh, today, it's special, but it's yet no different than any other day. Uh, today is no different than yesterday, which is no different than tomorrow, was no different from last year. Amen? And let me tell you why it's not different. We change. We grow. We're supposed to grow. If not, there's a big issue there. But when we come before this God, it's no different because our God never changes. He's always the best. He's always the greatest. 
Scripture says, same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And what an honor it is to share this word, to be here yesterday, but every Sunday, every Wednesday. My Wednesday crew that's coming to Bible studies on Wednesdays. How blessed were we on Wednesday? I mean, what an honor. That was like at least an amen. You guys could have given me an amen. Y'all stink. <laughs> you guys stink. <laughs> How blessed were we on Wednesday? Yeah. All right. That means we were bad. But what an honor it is to be doing this. Uh, I've been in ministry now for 12 years, but here at New Life for six years. What an honor uh, to be able to call this place home. And, and it's really not this building home uh, because I probably, if we leave here, I probably won't miss it much. Uh, when I say what an honor it is to call this place home, I'm really talking about the people, you know? And it's not really the building. So what an honor to call this place home, the people home, those that couldn't be here, them home. And the truth is, as we do this, and as we say happy birthday, and as we do celebrate these years, you should rejoice with me. Because this is your home, and this six years of celebration is your six years of celebration. And thank you for supporting. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bleeding and crying and loving. Amen. Thank you um, for sharing in all these moments. And like I said, regardless how long you've been here, from the first day till to, or just started today, and you say, this is definitely my home now, whatever it is, we want you to know that we also celebrate you. Can you look at the person next to you and just tell them we celebrate you? That's nothing bad. There's nothing. Listen, don't, don't try to twist it and say, I can't believe he's making it about us. Okay? But we celebrate you. And, and this is why I say this. Ready? We celebrate you because you're still here. You're still here. And that's why we celebrate you, because we've had moments of sadness, and we've had moments of joy in our lives. We've had moments of hurt, but yet moments of love, moments of struggles. How many of you have had moments of struggles, but yet moments of victory? How many of you have had moments of victory? We've had all these moments, so we could stop today, and we could pause, and we could celebrate each other. And most importantly, we could celebrate the work that Christ is doing in us. Through all these things, and as a body... We have not, and you have not given up, and you're here today, and what a coincidence, because maybe you were about to give up, but we have not given up. We haven't wavered from the truth. You would be amazed how many churches I go to, and years later, I go to it again, and they wavered from the truth of God's word. I've been there, and it is ugly. Guys, a new life, we've been here six years, and we've never stopped preaching Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus. Like, that's good. That's good. Because people will get frustrated and say, ah, oh, I got to make sure that I say something to, to make everyone feel right. And we're like, well, the word, if it's truth, it should make them feel wrong and right all at the same time. What a church that we've never wavered from that. We've never played with that. We've taken this book serious. We've taken our testimonies and our lives serious. We've learned from our mistakes, have we not? I have. And I'm still learning from them. We're maturing. Some of us and us, I mean me and you, the body, we're, we're still immature in many ways. And we're still maturing and we're still growing. But man, how, what a blessing. What a job well done. We're, we've remained consistent. For only six years. It's so dumb. It's only six years. But I pray in 16 years and in 26 years and in 36 years, if we're all still here, that we could say the same exact things that I'm saying today. We've never wavered. We've been consistent. We're maturing. We're still not there yet. What do I mean by consistent? We're, we're remaining faithful in Jesus Christ. Amen? And yes, it's only been six years, but they've been a great six years. And 
Six years of growth, six years of development, of testing, of faithfulness. Um, I think um, when I thought I was going to start, well, when I said I was going to start the church, I always said this. I had a leader one time here that said, you need to stop saying this. And he got, this person got mad at me because I kept saying, I don't know what I'm doing. And he kind of convicted me because I kept saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I let him convict me. I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is like an amen part, but no idea. And I praise God that I have no idea what I'm doing. Because today I was on the way over here. My wife could testify. And I had no idea what I was going to do today. I'm just mixed with all these things. And, and, and yes, it's only been six years. And, it, and I could tell you this, that my biggest growth has been doing life with this group right here as a Christian. I'm sure Pastor Leo will say the same thing about his congregation. His biggest growth in life will probably say, yeah, it's been with the body and the people that I serve along with. I promise you. Like, this is why, like, I, I can say this, and I don't even care if I'm going off and I'm being so mellow today, but I'm being honest. Like, my biggest growth rebukes, teachings have been hanging out and doing life with you. And I thank you for that because you are making us better, and we pray that each other, we're making each other better. Amen? In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it teaches us we'll go from faith to faith. We're moving from faith to faith. But I want to talk about Paul's letter in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. I'm going to read it to you. It's from the New King James. And I'll, I'm going to go from the New King James to as easy as the NLT. And I'm even going to use the message. Don't judge me. I'm going to do it. But watch this. In the New King James, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Paul writes and he says this, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And watch what he says next. We are being transformed into the same image from what church? From glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. And Paul is writing this. And what he's showing us is it's, it's a growth. It's from faith to faith church. That's what you're doing. A new life, what we're doing is we're moving from, from glory to glory. Like, like last week was awesome, but this week should be greater in Christ. And next week should be even greater. And next year we should be even more wild. And, 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 and nothing should ever be like, well, my walk has been the same since I said that prayer. Well, well, well boo for you because you should be going to glory to glory. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Sorry. But... But we should be growing. We should be maturing. And, 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 and this is what Paul says. We're being transformed into the same image. What image? It is the glorious image of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're... Like, I read that and I say, come on. I read that and I say, I don't deserve that. I shouldn't, that should not be me. I should not even be classified under that verse. There is nothing about new life, us, you, me, us together, holding hands, walking down a field. Nothing about us should be classified into this verse. But yet Paul, through the Holy Spirit, writes, you're being transformed. And it's into something so beautiful, into a greater glory than you've ever seen and will ever imagine. And I read that and I say, man, and because of that same reason, I need God now more than ever. And our purpose and what we do here, it is to be transformed into His image. Everyone say His image. 
That's our purpose here, to grow in that glory. And, and, and you all know this, that growth brings problems. Growth brings aches. Growth brings hurt. And because of that, because we're going from glory to glory, we need God now. Now. When? Now. More than ever. And we can't run from that truth. We need him now. And we celebrate each other. We, most importantly, we celebrate Christ. But if there's one thing that I can and I will remind you of today, on this special day, is to never forget that you need, that we need him now more than ever. We're not at this perfected place, and we, are not, we haven't mastered anything yet. I'm going to go to Philippians 3. I'm going to read verses 12, 13, and 14. And, and Paul is writing to the church here, and I, and I shared this weeks back, and I, wanna, uh, I want it to appear again as the text of today's scripture because I'll, it's a perfect point for what I'm make, I want to make. So write that down in your notes. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. When you're there, just shout an amen. Too many of you are getting used to this stuff up here, man. No amens? Everyone's just watching? All right. In Philippians chapter 3, I'm going to read from the message so you could get this point and how it, how it goes ahead and translates it. Watch what he says. He says, I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I'm, but I'm well on my way. I'm reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. And then he says, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. So, so if Paul said it, why can't I say it, right? But I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward. And look what, he's, look what he's pushing us. Look what he's encouraging us onward to. To who? To Jesus. He's beckoning us onward to Jesus. I, I, I'm wondering if, if as a body are we, are we moving onward to Christ. Are you as an individual? Are you as a marriage? Are you as your own personal being in your own personal space? Are you moving onward in Jesus Christ? And, and, and this is what he's saying here. And then he goes on, and he says, I'm off and I'm running. I like that because Paul's like, I haven't stopped. I'm still running. And then he says, and I am not. I am not what? I'm not turning back. You know, I, I could almost see Paul writing this thinking about Lot's wife. Like, I ain't turning back. I'm going to turn into a pillar of salt. I'm going to die. But he... He looks at his faith. He looks at Christ. He looks at his maturity. He sees his growth. He says, I'm not even there. I'm not even close to being there. And I'm still running. I'm still going on to Jesus. And I am off and running. But there's one thing. I'm going to have faults. I'm going to have problems. I'm going to have issues. But no matter what I go through, Paul's like, I'm never, ever turning back. Because it's so easy to turn back. Everyone turns back. Things get difficult. Just leave. Things get difficult. Just don't have no more faith. I don't know if I said the right English grammar there. But, but whatever it is in life, if things get hard, just turn back. Turn away from God. Turn away from the church. Turn away from the brothers and sisters that have been there when you needed it the most. Just turn back. But instead, Paul's like, I will never turn back from God. I would never run away from God. Paul was so happy to admit this one fact that I need Christ. You want to fit in the blank? I need Christ now more than ever. And he was happy to say that. There's no way that I can do this by myself is what he's saying in Philippians 3. 
There's no way that I, that I could admit to you today that I got it all together. And then he goes on and at the end he says, but even though I don't have it, I'm never going to turn back. I know what's needed. And the answer is Jesus now more than ever. And I look at Paul's writing. And I don't have a problem by saying Paul definitely seems like a better man than me. And if he needs the Lord more than ever now, I know for a fact that as I read his letters, I need Jesus now more than ever myself. You know, this whole walk, this whole six-year celebration, this whole let's rejoice and let's put up lights and all that great stuff, it's all about this one thing right here. Ready? You can write this down in your notes. It's all about this one thing. It's all about putting on Jesus. It's all about putting on Christ. You can write that on your notes. That's it right there. It's all about putting on Christ. C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite books, Mere Christianity. He says this in, in, in this book. He says, putting on Christ is not one among many jobs as Christians has to do, a Christian has to do. And it's not a sort of, of special exercise for the top class. He says, it's the whole of Christianity. Christianity offers nothing else at all. Did you see what C.S. Lewis was like? He's like, putting on Christ, that's it, man. Your life and my life, our life together, it's all about putting on Christ daily. Never stop putting them on. In, in Romans, you can turn to Romans, and in chapter 12, he's writing this letter to a church which he's never visited, and he's anticipating to go and visit them, and he's preparing, he's preparing it as he's writing these letters and delivering the letters to, to Rome, and, and he's preparing to go over there and to take the gospel. So he's writing these letters, and he's beginning to teach these, this church that he's never visited. And in chapter 12, he in verse 9, he talks about behaving like a Christian. Paul, Paul does this. And then in chapter 13, he moves from, hey, behave like a Christian. Stop being a hypocrite, he tells the people. Be patient. You're... He tells them things like this, ready? You've entered tribulation, and then he says this. He's like, but be patient in them and rejoice. He, he tells them, rejoice with people who rejoice in the body and, and cry and weep with people that weep with the body. Uh, be a Christian. He's telling Christians to be Christians. Isn't that awesome? It's kind of like what a pastor's job is. Be Christians. And you're like, man, every Sunday he preaches the same thing. Yeah, we're just, <laughs> be Christians. And, and, and Paul goes from be Christian and he, he kind of flips this whole script and he says, and wait a minute, I'm not done. I, I want to talk to you about your government. You know, submit to the government. Pay your taxes, man. Stop being so rebellious in Jesus' name because what you're doing is, and, and you can see this in the letter, Paul's like, you're not showing a good testimony by rebelling those above you. You're, 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 ooh, you're so holier than thou and you can't pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He's like, shut up and, and, and give to the government what belongs to the government already. Like, just be godly, but submit. Submit to your authority. And he begins to teach them uh, about government and submitting to them. And then he, he jumps into something else in that same chapter of 13. And he's like, and, and, and as I'm talking to you about behaving like a Christian and submitting to government, he's like, please do this. And he's talking to them about this one fact right here. And he says this, love your neighbor. Love one another, man. Why, you, why do you bicker and complain and murmur but love one another? Because you, you're so busy and trying to fulfill the law, but in loving one another, he says, in that is the fulfillment of the law, Paul says. That's awesome. 
Like, you want to know what the whole Bible's all about? He's like, just love each other. And, and as you love one another, you're going you're gonna to fulfill what the Bible was saying. And he's writing all these awesome things. But then he goes on, and this is what I want to talk to you about. After he's writing all these key nuggets. He's giving them nuggets, nuggets that you want. And as he's giving them these little nuggets, he says, now listen up. And then in chapter 13, verse 11, this is what he says, ready? He says, and this is what you do. He says, and do this. Like, like for example, if, if someone with authority is writing to you or speaking to you and they tell you, hey, stop, and, and you stop what you're doing and say, do this, you know you're going to what? You, Let me see what this guy has to say. I'm going to listen because this must be important. And he says, and do this. He says, knowing that the time, that now it is at high time to awake out of sleep. He's like, wake up. Stop sleeping. Like, how awesome is this to write to a church, right? Wake up. I mean, that's not us, amen? That's them in Rome. But he says, wake up. He says, for now our salvation, it's nearer than when, we, than when we first believe. And then in verse 12 he says, he says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. And then look what he says, therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the what? The armor of light. Get away, run from your sin, put away your sin and put on the light, put on Jesus. What is he telling the church? Wake up. Like, now, more than, more than ever. Wake up now more than ever. But I'm, no, now. No, but let me just enjoy this. No, 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 no. Tomorrow's not promised. Yesterday, you got lucky. That was a gift. Today, you're walking in that same gift. But tomorrow's not promised to no man. So Paul's like, wake up now. The, the time of salvation, it's, it's nearer than ever. Tell people about Jesus. Get away from sin. Put on Christ and put on his light. And then he goes on. And in that same scripture, he says this. He says, now walk. And watch how he tells us to walk. Walk properly. Walk properly. For example, for example, you've ever been out? You've ever been out? And as you're out, you're with someone, you're significant, or a friend or a group of friends, and as you walk, there's a, there's a crowd in front of you or a guy in front of you, and out of nowhere, that guy starts... Moving, and he's, he's all over the place, and he's talking garbage, right? And right off the bat, you look at your friend, you look at your significant other, and you say, look at that guy. That guy is what? He's drunk. But you have no idea he's drunk. Who are you to say he's drunk? Huh? But you will say, well, Pastor Rigo, the reason why I knew he was drunk is because when the way he was walking, he wasn't walking what? He wasn't walking properly. And one of the evidences that the man was drunk was he was all over the place. And we all know that someone that walks like this, when they're trying to walk straight, it's that they're drunk. But when someone is on the right path, they walk straight because there's nothing in them that is causing them to become someone that they were never called to be in the first place. And when Paul says to walk properly, he's like, don't be drunk in sin. Because you don't need to tell people you're sinners. They see it automatically without you even telling them. Walk right, because people are looking at you, and they're telling the people that they hang with, guess who I saw drunk yesterday? And you might be here, and you're like, well, I'm not a drunk. Yeah, you're not, but are you a sinner, though? And are you in sin still? And here's Paul, and, and to the church, he tells them, you walk properly. You, you don't stagger. You, you don't mumble. You, you walk 
proper as in the day, not in revelry, in, in drunkenness, not in lewdness, and in lust, not in strife, not in envy. You walk right. You walk proper. And you want to know how you do this? Everyone say how. He says in verse 14, you, you put on the Lord Jesus Christ and you make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Put on Jesus and if Jesus is in you, sin is not there. If you bask more in your sin than in Christ, I'm wondering who you, if you confess and you talk more about your sin than of Christ, I wonder who you really serve. I wonder who you're really walking in. And here is Paul, and he's reminding us on our awesome six-year celebration, New Life, keep going, man. Don't ever stop running. Don't ever look back. Greater things, amen. Faith to faith, amen. Glory to glory, amen. And he says, and do this because it's now. Now is the time. Now more than ever. Now more than ever. You walk right, new life. Like if you're walking in the day with no sin found in you. And you do this daily. You put on Jesus Christ. And if you put on Jesus Christ, there will be no provision for sin. No provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Put on Jesus. And we told Paul and we told the Holy Spirit through Paul, Jesus, thank you for writing this in Scripture and teaching us how to live our lives. Thank you. We must do this now more than ever. And that's what he's saying. One of the things that I wanted to share with you is it's an awesome, it's an awesome look at King Solomon's life. How many of you have heard of King Solomon? Ever heard of him? Give me one fact about Solomon. Someone just spit it out. I mean, say it out. Wealthiest man. A lot of wives. He did have a lot of wives, man. Whatever. If you thought that was cool, but what else? Wisdom more than any man. In the book of Ecclesiastes, you start to read it. You start to study it. It's written by King Solomon, David's son. The king of Israel, who's also known as the wisest man that ever lived. I want you to wrap yourself in what I'm about to tell you real quick. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, it begins to describe, well, Scripture teaches us that Solomon had it all. Before I get into that, he had power, deep, deep wealth. Solomon had worldwide fame. He had hundreds and hundreds, you know, when I said a lot of wives, you thought he meant like, oh, five, ten, I can handle that. No, hundreds of, hundreds of mother-in-laws and wives, okay? And, 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 and all these things. You think about it, man, why would he want all these things? For those reasons. And he had wisdom, the Bible says, wisdom to manage it all. And, and, and Scripture talks about all the gold was his, all the glory, and then all the girls. Everything, everything he could ever wish for, glory, power, respect, women, everything was his. And then he's so smart that he looks around. And as he looks around, he sees that everyone is pursuing one thing. And everyone is pursuing happiness. Happiness. So he sets out a goal for himself. And he uses all his wealth because it was so deep. And he says, I'm going to use my wealth to achieve this. I'm going to receive and I'm going to search for happiness because I'm Solomon, man. Guys, I, th this is going to be part of the meat of the message right here. 
He says, I'm Solomon. And everyone around me is looking for happiness, but I'm Solomon. And if there's anyone on earth that could find happiness, definitely what? I could find it because I'm Solomon. I'm the most powerful, richest, and the wisest man ever. So he grabs all his wisdom and wealth to achieve this, to receive happiness the way that everyone else around him was trying to find it. And he was able to do this, in the, this, this testing, this experiment because of all the resources he had. And he attempted to do it with his power, with his fame. He attempted to look into pleasure. He attempted to look at every aspect of life. And as you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you get a little worried and you get a little depressed because it's actually one of the most depressing books that you'll ever read. It's depressing. Read the book of Ecclesiastes because he's, he starts to write about his experiment. And he says, okay, this is what I found out. Are you guys ready? And like, yes, what'd you find out, Solomon? And he begins to write, and it becomes depressing. As you read it, like, man, what a... Sucks, man. And you might, you probably think, well, this is going to be interesting to read. This is going to be interesting when Solomon tells us everything he found out, everything he figured out. What is it, Solomon? So he starts off his book by saying this. Everything is meaningless, completely meaningless. And you're like... Yeah, like trillions of dollars. And you just, your revelation was everything stinks, everything is worthless, everything is meaningless. And he's like, yes, right on. Like, that's depressing, man. And he starts off his book in that way, and then he begins to describe all these areas that he looked into. Number one, he starts talking about intelligence. And he says, I've noticed something, and just bear with me. He says that the greater wisdom you have, the greater the grief is. He begins to write that. And he's like, knowledge, as it increases, as it grows, it also increases sorrow. And, and then he says this, it, it's meaningless. Uh, intelligence is meaningless. And then he, he goes into a second point. He says, pleasure. Like, oh, for sure pleasure. You're going to hit it on, right? And he's like, no. You work hard for, for, for everything. Anything that I've ever wanted, I took. And, and whatever I wanted, I worked hard. And I achieved great rewards. This is Solomon. He did this. But he says, but pleasure, I noticed it was all meaningless because as I was doing all this and taking all this, it was like chasing the wind. I really didn't find anything. It was like I was running after, for example, go out to a field next time it's windy and chase the wind. See if you catch it. Put it in a bottle and bring it back to New Life. I want to see it. That's what Solomon's saying. He's like, pleasure, pointless, meaningless, chasing the wind. I couldn't do it. It's dumb. Then he goes to his third point. He's like, wisdom. He's like, for sure, he's the wisest man. Wisdom, that's where he's going to hit it. He's like, well... I've noticed that the wise and the foolish, they suffer the same death. They suffer the same and they're both going to die. It's meaningless. Wisdom is meaningless because the wise, just like the fool, will not be remembered long after he dies. So what's the point of having all the wisdom? No one's going to remember me in 100 years just like they won't remember the dumb guy. It's pointless. It's meaningless. You're like, man, this is depressing. He goes on to his next one. He's like, power. He's like, I searched into power. And he's like, when you have power, and he begins to write, because I don't have time to go into the whole book. He's like, well, power, everyone around you, they love you, they respect you, and all of you, because he's the king, right? He says, when you walk around, everyone cries out, the king, the king. And he says that in the book. He says, but then a younger generation arises, and they reject the king. He's like, it's meaningless. Because you don't stay king forever. There's always that jealous person that takes over your throne. It's meaningless. Power didn't work. He goes on to his next one. He says, talent. Because if you knew anything about him, he had a lot of talent. And with building, mind you, he built the first temple. He says, well, talent, it's all a chance. 
Look what, look what he says, Solomon. He says, the fastest runner doesn't always win the race and the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. He says that. He says, he says the skillful are not necessarily uh, wealthy. The wise, I notice that sometimes they grow hungry. He's like, it's all a chance. When you look at talent, he says, it's all meaningless. You know, what, you know what he says? He says, it's all about being at the right place at the right time. It's meaningless. Doesn't that make sense? It's all about being at the right place, the right time, knowing that right person. And then he goes into his last one. He says, education. He's like, you study hard, and it all wears you out. You go to sleep at night, and you're so burnt out in your mind that you can't even sleep. You can't even rest. And because of that, you go crazy. He's like, so here's education. You write all these books, and the books, it's endless. Because you know what happens? Whenever you write a book, guess what's going to happen? As soon as you put it on the shelf, the next guy wrote a book just like yours, and it's a top seller. You're like, man, I just wrote the same book. <laughs> and Solomon's like, it's meaningless. Education is meaningless. And then I read the book of Ecclesiastes, and all I could ask Solomon is then, well, then, Solomon, what is it? Do you want to know how he ends the book of Ecclesiastes? How many of you want to, are you guys going to just go home? You want to know how it ends? Come on, I gave you, I unpacked you, all that. You're going to kill me here. Do you want to know how he ends? Yes. Chapter 12, verse 13. He says this whole story. That was the whole story he just said. That's the whole story, everything I just unpacked, he says. But here now is my final conclusion. Fear God. Obey his commandments. For this is everyone's duty. The New King James says, for this is every man's all. And you're just like, thank you. He's like, I, I searched education, I searched talent, I searched righteousness. Oh, I didn't even jump into the righteousness, sorry. I, I skipped it. I searched power, I searched work, I searched wisdom, I searched pleasure, I searched through intelligence. And in all of those, it's meaningless, I found nothing. So my conclusion, all that story of 12 chapters that I just wrote to you, it's all about this one sentence. He's like, fear God, obey his word, and that is your duty of living. You need God. If you don't even understand this and you don't know this and you can't grasp this i want you to know through solomon's works you need god now more than ever is what solomon is saying he's like it's better than your wisdom it's better than your intelligence do you believe this it's actually better than your family it's better than your job it's better than any money or any bank account that you could ever dream of it is greater than any fame any power popularity anything that man has ever wanted to achieve for solomon is like it's all about god He's like, I spent millions and billions of dollars and I spent years searching for happiness and it was found in nothing that the world offers. Fear God, obey his word and in fearing him and in obeying his word, then you will be happy. And I read that and I say, I need God now more than ever because I work hard. And God's like, it's not in that, Regal. So I get a second job. He's like, it's not in that, Regal. And you buy a new car. It's not in that, Regal. And we have a son. It's not in that, Regal. And you buy new clothes. It's not in that, Regal. And you found these new popular cool friends. It's not in that, Regal. And you go to this church that, that whatever, fill in the blank. It's, it's not in that, Regal. And Solomon says... Through the work of the Spirit of God says, 
It's all about God. It's about fearing him and it's about obeying his word. If you guys don't get this, he's like, it's about God and you need him now more than ever. You got to stop searching for happiness. The root of your problem is Jesus. Is he filling it? Six years strong? I want to go for another six years even stronger and it will never happen if it doesn't stay all about Jesus. It needs to be about that. It needs to be about that now more than ever. It's not about anything that I've tested, he says. It's about God, and it's him that I need now. I'm going to end with with two more sections of scripture, and then a quote from Augustine, and we're done. And the first one is Hosea speaking to the nation of Israel. Look what Hosea Hosea says. He says, come, this is Hosea chapter 6, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it, and it's going to preach it on its own. He says, come. Let us return to the Lord. Look what he's telling rebellious Israel. Maybe this is not for you, but this is for Israel at its time. But get what he's trying to say. He says, the Lord is torn to pieces, but now he heals us. He's injured us, but now he bandages our wounds. In just a short time, he's going to restore us so that we may may live in his presence. And then in verse 3, he says, Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of the rains in early spring. You know what he's telling Israel? Israel, come to the Lord. Because you need him now. More than ever. Get your stuff together. Hosea was telling the people that. Kind of like God is telling us today. Get your stuff together. You've been injured? Come on, the Lord's going to bandage you. Get it together. Come on. You've been broken to pieces? Well, he's here, he says. Hosea says this. Well, he's here now to heal you. Oh, well, you, you feel broken? Well, well, guess what? As Hosea says, he's here to restore you. And why all this? And then he says this. So that you would live in his presence. That's why. Oh, he says. Oh. Everyone say, oh. That's like, oh. Oh, that we may know the Lord. Press on to know him. Church, church, come here. Press on to know him. You know when you drive to the gym and you don't want to go to the gym for those that have ever been to the gym or going to the gym recently, go, you tried it, whatever. And maybe you're faithful and doing it. And you're driving and you're tired. You had a long day of work. And everything about you is thinking about, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to go to the gym. Should I make a right? Should I just go home? And you're fighting this conflict in life. You're like, I don't want to go to the gym. And then if someone's in the car, they will think you're bipolar, that you're crazy, that you're sick in the mind. Because you're driving. And while you're driving the whole 20 minutes to the gym, you are having an internal conflict because you really want to go home. But everything about you wants to see results, wants to see reward. And you know that the only way that you get a reward, it's not by giving up and going home. But it's by pressing on, getting to the gym, and Watch the rewards, right? Well, at least whenever I was going to the gym, that's how I felt every single day of my life. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I'd rather just be home in AC, eat a pee, eat a burger, and watch TV. And Hosea says, "You press on, man. You press on, church. You you press on to know Him. And He and when you press on to know Him, keep going. Look what He says in verse three. He will. Everyone say He will." He will respond to you as surely as the arrival of the dawn or as the rain as it falls from the heavens. Jesus will show up. But you need to get this through your head. New life, you need him now more than ever. Six years, amen, but I still need him. 
I haven't achieved anything. Hey, you want to know what six years means? Six years. I haven't achieved anything. I haven't done anything. And because of that, I need him now more than ever. I need him now more than ever. I need him. As soon as we say amen and I walk out of here, I'm going to fight with so many weaknesses when I get out this door. Right now, I'm good. I'm holy. I'm preaching his word. Like, I don't have, I really don't have one negative thought right now in my mind. And as soon as I get out, I'm going to think so bad about some of you. <laughs> I'm just playing. Psych, I was just playing. But I'm going to think so bad about things. Well, my job, well, my wife, well, I'm tired, well, I don't want to go out, well, well, I want to eat this. And, and well, well, look at my sin and look at the dirt and then all that stuff might come out when I get out these doors my weaknesses might start popping up my, my insecurities might start coming to my brain who knows the lust the lust of, of the flesh might start popping up into my brain I know that when I walk out these doors yes we're celebrating six years amen to six years but I know that every day of my life so that I could make it for another six years and another six years and another six years and another six years and on to eternity I know that I need him now more than ever Press on and he will appear to you press on he will respond how many of you hate when you have to talk to someone and they don't pick up the phone like, they never pick up I can't stand them Hosea's like he's gonna pick up and he's gonna respond keep calling let the phone keep ringing if you're like me, that thing rings twice in my hand in pocket. Hey, why didn't you wait? My wife yesterday. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but it, there's a story. I got in trouble for it, but whatever. We're in Walmart, and I called her. I'm calling her, and just put it this way. There's a line behind me, and I have to pay, and I'm calling her. Wait here while I go get other stuff, and I'm calling her. She's like, but you, but you didn't call me. I was like, I called you, and I went to your voicemail. Sometimes that's our walk with the Lord, right? We call the second ring, we hang up. I don't have patience. But you never called me. You're like, yeah, I did, God. I let it ring twice. And God's like, no, you keep pressing. Just because you don't feel me in two rings, just because you didn't hear me in three rings, just because I didn't pick up the phone call in four rings, what, you let it ring ten times and you got all distracted? That's all it took? Ten rings and you got distracted? Six rings and you got distracted? Six rings and you fell to your sin? Seven rings and you looked away? He's like, you let that keep ringing. You press on because I'm going to pick up the phone and I'm going to respond, man. And I thank God that that's who I serve. And I end with 1 John, and I'm going to read it to you. 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17. He says, listen, church, don't love the world nor the things that it offers. For when you love the world, you don't have the love of God in you. For the world offers only a craving, a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything that we see, pride in all of our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. Look at verse 17. And this world, look, it's fading away along with everything that people crave. But then he says this, but anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. More than ever. I need him now more than ever. Augustine said this, because God has made us for himself, our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Because God has made me for himself, 
my heart, like Solomon's, is restless until I rest in him. So because of that, Lord, I need you now more than ever. In your life, you need him now more than ever. Six great years, but there's a lifetime more to go. And each day, we need him now more than ever. I congratulate you on six years. For some of you, two months. For some of you, two weeks. For some of you, two years. Good job. But I will be doing an injustice if I tell you you've made it. So because I want to be a good leader and a good pastor at this moment, I'm going to tell you right now that as soon as we say amen, you're going to continue to need him then more than ever. And when you go to sleep, then more than ever. And when you wake up, then more than ever. And when you go on with your week, even then more than ever. So congratulations on this awesome birthday party. But I'm going to tell you something. There's so many more to come. And in Jesus, there's so much more. And to get there, we need to continue to understand that we need him more than anything, more than ever. And we can never live our lives thinking that we don't need him, that we've made it. How, come, how many of you could rejoice in that? Like, I'm happy in that. Because if you knew yourself, you know that you can't do it. But if you know Christ, you know that you could do it in him. I need him now more than ever. Just stand with me. We're going to close off in prayer. I hope you rejoice in God's word. I hope you could just praise the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for this word. Don't allow me to ever think. Don't allow me to ever feel that you're not needed. Let me want more of you and let me understand that I need more of you first one standing here say this guy is the first mess up and uh, Paul said it he's the chief sinner Paul got to a place where he says the what I wish to do I find myself not doing it and what I wish not to do I find myself doing it and Paul was like I just need him today Lord here we are an amazing six years but I can't wait for my seventh year, for my eighth year, my ninth year, until eternity calls and says, come home. But until eternity calls and says, come home, I pray that this group that's here today would understand their need of you more than ever each day of their life. Don't let that ever dry out. Don't ever let them look elsewhere. Let us stand firm. Let us keep fighting our battles. Battles are going to continue to come in this seven, in this, as we fill up this sixth year entering our seventh. Hurts are going to come. Pains are going to come. But man, are we going to also experience victory and joy and love and, and happiness and all these great other feelings. We're going, to, we're going to experience all these things. But what matters is when we celebrate next year, 
We're going to stand and we're going to continue to say we did it another year because we did it again in Jesus because we knew that each day we needed of him. So we went to him. We drank from his waters and we cried out his name. Lord, let that never, never be taken from our lives. That we need you now. Now more than ever. We love you. We praise you. We exalt you. And we surrender our life unto you. If there's anyone that's struggling, there it is. Give it to them now. If there's someone that's hurt, heal. If there's someone that's calling, respond. If there's someone that's in pain, Lord, bandage them up. Lord, whatever it is, if there's someone rejoicing, let them continue. If there's someone loving, let them continue to grow in that love. But I pray that we would never let go, that we would never look back, that we would never stop running, that we would keep going and pressing on, that we would keep running towards and to Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for six years. We thank you for next Sunday as we come again and we are going to celebrate your name again. It's not going to change. We're going to have the same service, but even better. We love you. We praise you. We exalt you. Happy birthday to us, but glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And together we say, amen. Can you give them a shout? Shout praise.